Well, we are uh, dubbed America's skydiving team. So we have about 40 members and we travel the world jumping out of airplanes and um, putting on shows with our nation's colors. So big, huge American flags, red, white, and blue smoke. We actually strap fireworks to our legs at night. <laughs> uh, just the same ones you see shooting from the ground, but we put them on our legs and jump out of a plane. And it really makes people proud to be an American. This is episode number 107 with Nicole Condry. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my partner and co-host, Barbara Allen. And just to remind you, uh, each week we are committed to bringing you an exceptional American or story that will not only inspire you, but one that will propel you forward in your own life. And whether they are celebrities, uh, veterans, business owners, small town heroes, or like our guest today, uh, each one is a shining example of the American spirit. And that brings us to today's guest. Her name is Nicole Condry. Uh, look, Nicole could have given up on her husband when the symptoms of his disease began impacting his behavior. She could have walked away from the mood swings, the anger, and the unpredictability of life with the man whose brain was deteriorating. And not many people would have blamed her for it. But instead of giving up on her husband, she doubled down on him and fought her own kind of war to find him the help that he needed. Unfortunately, the disease overpowered her efforts and her husband's capacity to fight it. And that ultimately led to her husband ending his own life. And just as she's done for him before, Nicole attacked her pain and gave it a purpose. And today she is not only a member of one of America's greatest skydiving teams, she is an advocate for properly diagnosing and treating the often misdiagnosed disease that led her husband to lose his life. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Nicole Condry. You are listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Very excited to be sitting down today with somebody. You know, I we say a lot that life introduces people and moments and things to you, and you just have to be open to it. I was at a huge event in Virginia Beach, the Patriotic Music Festival, with some friends and fellow military widows. Up on stage comes this person that I, I could barely hear what was being said, but I knew it was important and I needed to strain to hear it. Nicole Condry was up on stage being introduced by event promoters and organizers. Her story is amazing. And it just hit me right in the heart, right there in the middle of tens of thousands of people. And I just knew I had to track her down and get her on our show to share her mission and her message with you. Nicole is a surviving spouse of a military veteran who lost his life as a result of invisible wounds of the war, uh, misdiagnosed invisible wounds of the war. The story is I'm going to say interesting, but not in the good kind of way, but just it's important. It's an important story and her courage and resilience, how she's gone on to find purpose, a new purpose beyond her pain is truly inspirational and is a is just packed with meaning for, for a lot of people. Nicole, I am so excited to have you here today. We're going to get into all the things that you're doing that you've done and the really uh, great messages that you have for our audience today. And I just appreciate you taking the time 
to sit down and talk with us. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you. I know it could be kind of hard when you get like some call out of the blue from some you know stranger who wants to like, hey, come sit down and share your story and all this. But you know, I, I, I appreciate that that you did it, and I know it could be hard. So let's talk a little bit. You were involved with your professional skydiver. First off, yep, yeah, for, I can thank team, my husband for that <laughs> for Team Fast Track. That to me, I'm one of those people that like breaks out in a sweat every time I think about like. You're jumping out of a plane, and I know that my son's going to get me to do it one day uh, here in the near future. So, and you just do it like a regular day of work, which is just wild to me, but awesome at the same time. And you also do work promoting the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and that's another mission very near and dear to you. Let's start first with Team Fast Tracks. Tell us what that is and how you got into it. Sure. Well, we were uh, dubbed America's skydiving team, so we have about 40 members and we travel the world jumping out of airplanes and um, putting on shows with our nation's colors. So big, huge American flags, red, white, and blue smoke. We actually strap fireworks to our legs at night. (laughs) Uh, Just the same ones you see shooting from the ground, but we put them on our legs and jump out of a plane. And it really makes people proud to be an American and it feels awesome. And we work with lots of veterans and get them outside of their comfort zone and back enjoying life again as well, which is a huge Uh, part of our mission. So my husband and I actually met skydiving. He took my brother for a tandem skydive while I was getting my skydiving rating. And one thing led to another. We we wound up going out to dinner and the rest is history. So uh, my husband was a part of the Navy Leapfrogs. And so he got me into doing demonstration jumping, which is what we do with flags and things like that. And when he retired from the Navy, uh, we had an opportunity to come out and join Team Fast Tracks in Middletown, Ohio. And so we said, you know what, let's do it. So in fact, partially, I looked at it as something that was something with his traumatic brain injuries that he knew he had doing hands-on activities and something physical is really good for that. And so we said, let's do something that is a physical activity so that it could help his brain to continue to try to regenerate itself. So that was one of the reasons we actually joined the skydiving team. <laughs> so we came out and uh, two years ago joined Team Fast Tracks and we've been jumping out of planes and doing great things with veterans all over the world. So you met your husband after his service? Uh, during, he was still in the Navy. During his service. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then we went through, we actually went through uh, medical boards, although that's a long story with that. But he ended up retiring after nearly 25 years of service as a Navy explosive ordnance disposal technician. Wow. Just hardcore all the way, man. And so, he was hardcore. He was a real warrior. That's for sure. Yeah. And so he, he suffered traumatic brain injuries during his service. Yeah. Lots of different ways, obviously as an EOD tech, there's a lot of uh, post-blast type of stuff, like blast-induced trauma to the brain. He also had helicopter crash, Humvee rollover, and like every good special ops guy, he had a motorcycle crash. So all those things combined, <laughs> you know, um, but the repeated blast exposure is one of the big things uh, that I know is producing a lot of brain injuries in our veterans. And this can sometimes be misdiagnosed. Yeah. So he really worked hard at trying to get better. The doctor's so kept misdiagnosing him with post-traumatic stress, which uh, I know my husband and he, like I said, he was a warrior and he joined the military expecting to see what he saw. He loved deploying. Uh, I'm not saying he didn't see some really horrible things and that it did affect him in some way, 
but the doctors really kept pushing the post-traumatic stress diagnosis on him. And he went so far as to go through prolonged exposure treatment. He really did a lot, which uh, he really didn't have any specific event that was bothering him. But the symptoms that he was having were so easily just labeled as post-traumatic stress and, hey, get in line, you know, yeah. and we're going to treat you that way. Uh, so when I even raised to one of the uh, VA uh, neuropsychs, I said, hey, I think he might have uh, CTE and there's more to this. And she just kind of looked at me like, uh, that sounds complicated, you know? And uh, so, yeah, we'll look into that down the road, maybe if all these things don't work out. So um, unfortunately though, I know that that's what was his problem was with the brain injuries. And you could, you know, the more I look into it, the more it's so, so obvious. And his brain was just deteriorating so rapidly. So then talk about what are the symptoms that he was experiencing? And you mentioned CTE. Can you, you know, tell people what that is? Yeah, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Encephalopathy, yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> I Googled it. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, yeah that's um, it's an injury to the brain, and I'm no doctor by any means, but um, it's, it's where the brain is um, deteriorating, right? And it's from uh, different brain injuries that you can have. And so, like, like I mentioned, the ones that my husband had, but in his case, it resulted in he he could not like get his brain to function using like normal executive functions that we would need, like how to organize his time or his day or different tasks that he had. He really had a horrible time doing that. Like we would love to go hiking. I'll give an example, right? We yeah. love to go hiking and for him to pack his pack to go hiking for like a two hour hike, it would take him six hours, right? Cause he just would think, well, but, and he had, everything had to be perfect and he just couldn't figure out how to pack. And so we sometimes would end up just not going for the hike at all because his brain could not wrap itself around the fact that he really only needed like water, you know, yeah. or whatever it might be. And, and that frustrated him more, right? Cause he's a warrior and he should be able to do this in no time, super right. easy. So that got him frustrated and that only would turn into, um, it would result in anger, depression, uh, all sorts of things. He would, you know, push everyone away which are also, these all things are also symptoms of post-traumatic stress, right? So you can see why the misdiagnosis is happening, not only for him, but I'm sure for many other veterans. Uh, But yeah, he would push me away. He had a service dog and he would push his service dog away, you know, not wanting anyone to see his pain. And so uh, that, that was something that was a challenge. But I know, you know, if I would tell anyone who's going through this as a spouse, have patience and never give up because it's not really your spouse inside that's doing that. It's a disease that's controlling them, right? So I know he would never want to do that to those around him. But the other thing is have forgiveness. Yeah. I mean, you say that and that's, I I totally understand the power of that. I can't imagine that that's easy, those two things to, to have and, and to do. I mean, is that something that you had to learn? Did that just come naturally to you? Do you struggle with it? Do you struggle with it now? Um, yeah. Uh, no, it was not easy yeah. at all. And, uh, you know, the first few times I thought, man, this guy is a jerk. What am I, you know, what am I doing? And in fact, a lot of people around me said, what are you doing? And I said, no, I know him. I know the real him. And luckily I got a lot of that before his brain really started to deteriorate. Because if I hadn't learned the real him, before that, I would definitely think he's just a jerk. Yeah. 
yeah, he's just a jerk, you know, but, um, no, but I knew the real him and he would come down, you know, it was like a roller coaster, right? So when he'd come off, uh, that high of being angry or whatever it was, he was so remorseful and he would really apologize over and over about what he did and he would remember it, but he said, I can't believe I said this or did that. I mean, it wasn't him. I knew it wasn't him. Right. So Thank God, you know, those lulls came because it did rejuvenate my, you know, I, mean, I knew I wanted to help him. There was no question, but you know, you have to feel that love sometimes because without it, you think, what am I doing? You know, this is crazy. Yeah. So, um, to help, you know, I, I have never experienced this either and I'm trying to piece it together. It, would that be like, a, like a daily cycle? Would it go weeks on end? Would it go, you know, months? Like what? Yeah. So that's what's kind of interesting. When it first all started, it was like once every few weeks, he'd have a something. And, and really he, um, he lived with a suicidal state for almost three years before yeah. he um, did ultimately uh, die from suicide. But uh, yeah, so it was every few weeks for a while. And then it just kept getting more and more frequent. And so to the point where it was multiple times a day for the last year, almost that he would go through this. And I felt so bad for him. I mean, it had to be really, really difficult. Yeah. I can only, you know, only imagine. So you can see this escalating, you know, around you and you're, you're there and you're in it. And then he, he winds up going ahead and, you know, and taking his life. When was that? That was like just over a year ago. It was September of 2018. Yeah. yeah. So just so less than a year. Just less than a year. I'm going to tell you, and I know it may sound hollow, whatever, just the fact that you're sitting here and you're moving forward and you're able to speak and do things. It is no small thing to, to endure a loss like that. And especially under tragic circumstances. Um, and so thank you for finding it, you know, to, to do that. And the fact that you are carrying on his work and finding some meaning out of it. I do meet and speak to a lot of people, a lot of spouses of uh, people who have taken their lives and not, you know, everybody's story is different, but the underlying, the message is almost always the same. It's repeated and just the helplessness of watching this person, you know, go through the cycle and all of that. What is somebody, if somebody is sitting here and just this morning, you know, I'm involved in a lot of groups with, widows and widowers, you know, who are saying, I can't get past this. I can't, when does this, you know, how do I do this? And I remember those days, you know, after my husband was murdered, I had all these little kids. I went into a suicidal phase, you know, and so I know what it's like to be in that darkness. What is something that you are doing to pull yourself through each day to, to do the things that you're doing? Well, I will say, first of all, I, I uh, am doing a lot and trying really hard, but uh, you know, I'm also susceptible to that. In fact, uh, yeah. last week I had a uh, panic attack, which I thought I was, you know, resilient to that. I thought me of all people, and it lasted like five and a half hours. And I thought this is crazy, which of course only made it worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yes. So I'm hoping that was a one-off, but I know I'm realistic. I mean, it's, it's not easy at all. And you can push as hard as you want, but you also have to realize you're human and uh, to take you know, the love from people around you is really important. So now one thing that we just, so Ron was buried at Arlington National Cemetery on Friday. And uh, one thing we did 
we had a, a roast for him afterwards, a comedic roast. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so people went up and told funny stories and things and which was really, really healing. And it was awesome. So a big extended family, military family, friends, everything. Uh, and one thing we put out on uh, this pool table was a collage. So I, we brought a bunch of magazines and we had people cut out different phrases that they thought Ron would have be saying to them right now because he was so inspirational. He would inspire everyone. In fact, even when he was hurting, he still went to the VA and actually talked to other veterans going through the same thing as him. And he, I couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. I thought, oh, if only you could listen to yourself, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah. he was super inspiring, you know, till his last day. And so anyway, so people cut out different phrases and piece together things. And we make, we made this big collage of just things that Ron would be telling us right now. And I think it was really healing for a lot of people there because it allowed them to really think about what he would be saying right now, which is what I would encourage other widows to do. I mean, you know that your spouse did not want to hurt you. And absolutely, they would want to inspire you to do great things in their honor. So whatever that might be, it may have nothing to do with whatever, you know, the reason that they passed away, but to help others in some way. Yeah. So the power of humor, I often say, I think is one of the most underutilized tools in any challenge or struggle. And, you know, I have, and my close friends have that kind of like dark humor that cracks us up like to no end, but other people are like, Oh my God, you know, and, so, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we're judged and all that, but that's okay. I mean, what it's so, it's great that you have that circle of people that you can you can just laugh at, I mean, um, or laugh with, you know, and, and that is just, I think that's a gift. I think it's a gift and I'm glad you, glad you have it too. You say finding that thing to, to, to give back and help others doesn't have to be in alignment with, with your spouse or what they were doing or why they passed. In your case, it is in alignment with your spouse. Um, and, and how he passed or why he passed. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Ron was aware of his traumatic brain injuries, and he was diagnosed with those uh, in addition to post-traumatic stress. Uh, but when he passed away, I, I'm good friends with uh, Jason Rudman. We've worked with him on a lot of different events. He's a former U.S. Navy SEAL, injured in combat, and now best-selling author. He's an amazing guy. He goes around inspiring everyone. So it was great to have him as a friend, both Ron and I, and we did a lot of different events. And so um, I called Jason and I knew he was working with Concussion Legacy Foundation. And he said, you know, we need to get his brain in right away. And I said, yes, we absolutely do. So uh, we, I talked to Concussion Legacy Foundation and coordinated his brain being donated to research. So within uh, 24 hours of him having died, they had his brain and it was yeah. in Boston within 48 hours and they were able to start using it to help future veterans who are going through the same thing. So I'm really grateful that Jay called and um, that we were able to talk and we, you know, we were able to do that because it really feels like Ron's still giving back. I mean, literally his brain is still giving back. Yeah. So what we were doing at the Patriotic Festival, we went around the beach with Concussion Legacy Foundation and Jay Redman, and we did interviews with people, like you said, humorous stuff about the brain. And so it got people kind of laughing and, and thinking about just funny things about the brain. And we were promoting Project Enlist. So Project Enlist is their 
way that you can pledge to donate your brain when you pass away to the Concussion Legacy Foundation to do research on it. So when people normally donate their organs, it doesn't include the brain. So in this case now, they can pledge to donate their brain when they pass. And of course, we have to let our loved ones know that that's our intent. And then it can be done. And it doesn't have to be a veteran. It can be like, I can donate my brain. I have a pledge to do so. And that will be help because they need a baseline as well. So okay. now, I don't know how much a baseline mine is, but hey. <laughs> 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 so yeah, and they don't collect early, I hear. So oh, No, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. <laughs> so, I, yeah. So that's at projectenlist.org yeah. is where okay. people can go to do that. Awesome. And you know, I that is one of the myths that circles through the through the world and through the grapevine, you know, and you talk about organ donation, there's that fear that, you know, that your life is going to be ended when it wouldn't and naturally end, you know, when you would wake up or you would come out of something. There's like this community that is actually afraid that their life support is going to be shut off and their organs are going to be harvested um, early, you know, and that's just all nonsense yes yes it is yes. okay well no I, well, we it's, it's a, a point humorous to, point I, it is I know it is funny right but there's people and I'm because I've said that and even at that even at that festival people yeah. are like oh you know people are having the beers they're like I ain't doing that you know they're gonna take my brain you know and and I was like oh my god like that's one of the first things that was coming out of people's mouths so um, right the aliens just, will come take your brain yes yes so <laughs> it's just it's just um, crazy, but I'm glad to hear you. And I'm glad you mentioned that they need baselines because that was going to be my question for you, you know, and I hopped on the site and I was checking it out and it seems to be at least the ones that are listed in the legacy uh, there on the website are all men and yeah. And, and um, mostly, you know, athletes and people who have had those injuries. So you're saying, you don't, it can be women that, you know, you could be a woman Absolutely. and your brain they need, and they need, they uh, need the smart brains of the women, <laughs> right? <laughs> they need some yeah. smart brains too. I'm going to, I like yeah. that. I'm going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, women too, especially smart women, go ahead and, <laughs> and pledge your brain. And now that I know that, and I, I'm glad again, that I asked about the baseline, I'm going to go ahead and I'll hop on that site and, and I'll do the same thing too. It, it wasn't clear, you know, at the, at the event, like I said, it was very, you know, you couldn't really hear everything that was being said. So super interesting. All right. Tell me now, let's go back a little. The first time you jumped out of a plane, was it a tandem? Actually, no, I did not. I just went straight for the accelerated free fall course. I don't know why. They recommend going tandem first. Yes. That (laughs) would have been a good idea. (laughs) So you actually can just jump out of a plane just on your own? Well, you have to go through a ground school. It's usually about six to eight hours. And then you have two instructors will jump out holding on to you. Okay. And so, you know, they have control of you. And, and if they have to, they'll pull your parachute for you. So okay. it's safe. It's, yeah, as safe as that can be, right? So what made you want to even do that in the first place? Like, hey, this seems like a good idea. You know, it's, um, it's like a place, it's a way to be free. Yeah. And uh, I'm still looking at that now. In fact, I'm doing some training for some skydiving competitions and I have a, a partner and we've really been talking a lot about that. You know, what's the purpose behind jumping out of a plane? Because I've spent 17 years working for the federal government before this. And it's like, oh, now I have to find purpose, right, in life. And just like my husband, when he was retiring from the Navy, finding purpose in life is not easy no matter what you do. Yeah. And so, you know, 
we want to inspire other people to find things that for us, skydiving is like we're up in the air and all the worries of the world are on the ground. So whatever's going on on the ground, it doesn't matter anymore for, you know, the four to 10 minutes, however long you're up in the air. And uh, that's been really healing for me. And it's also, I can feel closer to my husband up there as well. So it's pretty awesome. And then when we get back down to the ground, look at all these people we have to inspire to, to go out and do great things. And when we can bring our nation's colors in and they're these huge flags and just patriotic displays, people are just proud to be Americans and it inspires them to go out and be amazing Americans. And it's so cool. And I love getting veterans back into something that they can be excited about too. So we bring them out skydiving and doing just fun adrenaline-like activities that they missed from the military or they never got in the military, but, you know, are now just craving and they don't know what to do with their lives. But just sometimes a spark of adrenaline can get them to go attack whatever it is that they want to go do. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I know, you know, what like motion is, is everything sometimes. And just the fact that just getting up and moving and yeah. Sure, that adrenaline rush can get you going. You're going to have to do something with it afterwards, right? Like may as well. And then when you're surrounded by positive people who are focused on, you know, on moving forward in a good, strong direction and you get that adrenaline rush, I mean, you're just pointed in a perfect path to to do great things you know, with your life moving forward. I think that is so cool. Talk about, you said when you get to jump with the nation's colors and people get excited, I'm so happy to hear that. Obviously these are some turbulent times we're living in and, you know, patriotism is sometimes branded as something negative or people who feel patriotic can be branded as negative. And there's, you know, a lot of applause for people who are kind of turning their backs on patriotism and and all that. So talk about like, say for instance, what's the last event you did that was a patriotic event? Uh, yeah. So, well, first of all, that was probably my husband's funeral at Arlington for sure. I felt like that was extremely patriotic and the most honorable thing I could have ever done. Uh, but the weekend prior to that, we, uh, we had our annual warrior weekend to remember. So team fast tracks has a nonprofit. It's called blue skies for the good guys and gals. And we brought in, I think something like 40 to 50 gold star families and wounded veterans for a weekend of adrenaline and for healing and for just having an extended family of people who are going through the same thing. And so we brought them all out to Middletown, Ohio, and we jumped out of planes with them. We had them go on helicopter rides. Um, We had a a bomber aircraft out here they could ride in. We had a baseball game. We had shooting competitions. I'm not sure if they went go-karting this. No, I don't think we did that. But we've done go-karting in the past. Um, they rode in Jeeps down the interstate. We had the whole interstate closed uh, just for so a convoy cool. for them. And, you know, just a lot of stuff that they could get together and just enjoy together and create that network and that bonding and hopefully the spark. Yeah, that, that you said is blue skies for the good guys? For the good guys and gals. And gals. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a long, <laughs> long uh, name, I know. <laughs> no, that's okay. We got to be, we got to be correct, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And I was in Ohio, right? at that. I bet you my son yeah. love that. Um, and that's just cool. I'd love to get the word out about that as well. And you work with them through Fast Tracks? Yes. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of different events during the year. That's our big one that we do annually. It's called Warrior Weekend to Remember. 
where we can to remember. Very cool. And this is, and then in between there, you go through the emotional, I mean, you know, at Arlington, you go through that funeral. That can I ask you that wait? You know that stretch of time in between. Is that Arlington's base? Is that a general? Is that a? My husband's not buried at Arlington. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Um, people, they say it takes anywhere from six to ten months. Yeah, um, yeah, to get buried at Arlington, and that's it's just they're so far behind, unfortunately. So. What a like who would ever think, right? But. Wow. Yeah. So, and then you're back on your, you're just back on your feet doing what you got to do, you know, afterwards. Um, yeah, that's great. How has the community been? I guess the, the community has, that community that you were both involved in has stayed in touch with you. And, and so- yeah, yeah. I, I mean, especially my skydiving team has been amazing and really understanding. And unfortunately we lost another team member, um, if, a few a month or so ago to the skydiving plane crash in Hawaii. So oh, no. really the, our team is uh, super strong and we're here for each other and we're a big family. And so it's really helpful to have all of them. And that's another thing I would encourage people to do is make sure that that network that's around you is strong and it's the right people. Yeah. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit because that is another key, key thing. What are some things, how, how can you tell that it's the right person? And I know it sounds like a dumb question, right? But there are, and I've yeah. been through, it took me a long time to be able to stand up and be able to figure out how to identify this person is good to have my life. This person is not and like, and kind of triage people's places in my life. Yeah. You know, so what are some things that you look for in the people that you're going to surround yourself with? Well, so I'll, first of all, when Ron died within two days, I think I had 500 friend requests on Facebook to the point where Facebook said, are you a celebrity? You might want to create a celebrity account. And I thought, wow, first of all, one, Ron inspired a ton of people, clearly. I mean, yeah. for that many people to reach out, I mean, it was amazing. But then I thought, I have no idea who almost any of these people are, right? Yeah. And probably some, some of them Ron knew very well, but I don't, I don't know which ones. And yeah, you're right. I mean, I had messages and it was so overwhelming and just trying to swim through that and figure out where to even reach out to, because you don't want to just pour yourself out to everyone. That's for sure. That that's never going to work well. No. So, um, I think I had a lot of people offering to give me assistance or offering to be there, but at the end of the day, the ones who wanted to be there were there and they did help without me having to ask them to and, or follow up with them or things like that. And they, they show themselves, you know, so I didn't, I found if I wasn't the one doing the work to try to make that relationship happen, that they truly were the ones that were love loving me and there for me. And that's really all I can say advice wise, because it's so hard to tell. And I've, I tried to go down a few paths of, you know, telling my story to some people and opening up. And I very quickly thought, Oh gosh, maybe this isn't the right Avenue to go. And that's, uh, that was tough. Yeah. Um, do you find that some people are just like, just come in with insincere intentions? Uh, you know, it's weird. Cause I think some people cling to tragedy, like it's, um, the groupies a celebrity kind of thing. Yeah. Like they get some, status and it's disgusting and it makes my stomach turn. And I don't, I haven't quite figured out how to deal with that yet. Uh, I don't want to be rude to them. And I, you know, if it's someone that Ron is inspiring somehow through his life, 
still then great. I, I, I want that. So I don't want to, oh, sorry, that's Ron's service. Dog. I usually have it at my house. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and it's uncomfortable, right? I had people reach out to me and I still now more, it, it like goes in spurs and I have people like find me. Um, but when my husband was killed in 2005, Facebook wasn't really a thing at mm-hmm. that point, but I had letters, like people would hand write me letters. And that was almost a little weirder because they knew where to send me a letter yes. <laughs> and I would get like some creepy letters, you know, but you know, that, that kind of simmers down, but I do think it's important. And especially, um, you know, when you go through a tragedy or a loss and all that, it just takes all these things, these emotions kind of shakes them up and swirls you out. It, sort of like someone spins you around and around and around, around and then you have to like go hit the pinata. Right. And you're just kind of like striking. Yeah. Um, and people can be calling out, go here, go there, go there. And it's hard to know whose voice to listen to, who to trust. And, um, you know, and it's just, it's a confusing time. So, yeah. And that's one of the things that a lot of people come to me and, and ask too. So I always like to ask other people, you know, if, if you have insight on how to identify, you know, the people that surround you with, what can you think of something that any person did or a couple people or any instance that somebody said or did something that just like really got right through to you and helped you take a breath and find some clarity for a moment? Yeah. I mean, my, my team members have been amazing. I mean, the second, you know, Ron died, they were right there for me. And, uh, in fact, they called the funeral home for me and made an appointment for me and, uh, took care of so many different things right away that I would have been so lost. I wouldn't have you know, known what to do. Okay. I mean, I, I could have figured it out, but it's just, everything was so overwhelming in the moment. So I was super appreciative of that. And I've had, you know, my parents, they came, they live in Iowa and they drove through Ohio to pick me up and drive to Ron's uh, family in North Carolina to do a memorial service for him in November. They said, you don't have to drive, just, you know, get in the, in the car and we'll take you. And you know, not everybody's family is like that. And so I'm really grateful. My parents were there for me and wanted to be a part of things and to honor Ron. Uh, My brother also came out from Illinois and he spent time with me off of work just to be there. I didn't know what I needed. He said, Hey, you don't have to know what you need. Right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's great. And at the same time, I also have to thank people who wanted to just smother me and purposefully didn't. Right. Right. Because there's also value in that. So my team members, a lot of them said, Hey, we're here. We also don't want to, you know, be right on top of you and not give you space to breathe either. So they've been here for sure. And, um, been super accommodating and understanding and flexible with schedules. And, you know, if I'm not in a good mood someday, then like, Hey, no problem. Let's train tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Tell me, um, quickly, you said you worked 17 years for the federal government before you got into this guy, what were you doing? Like, and how did you decide, Hey, I'm not, I don't think I want to work for the federal government anymore. I think I want to skydive. Yeah. Well, I worked for the state department. So I was in foreign diplomacy as a foreign service officer. So I went overseas myself quite a bit. And uh, actually my husband and I, before we knew each other, like crossed paths in Afghanistan unwittingly. So that was pretty fun to find out later in life. But yeah. uh, So yeah, when he was starting to get his brain started to get worse. It was clear I was having to call out of work a lot uh, because he was my priority, right? So 
Uh, it just was obvious that I would rather support him than pursue a career that, yes, it's purposeful, but but why, right? When I have something even more purposeful right in front of me. So uh, I took uh, some time off of that job and focused on him. And unfortunately, he wasn't getting any better. And he deserved all of my energy and love for sure. So that's when we joined the skydiving team. And then, you know, he passed away a year ago. And uh, I've still been trying to figure out exactly what to do. But this is a great place that I found purpose. So I said, let me continue it. Yeah. she's So life for a foreign services officer. I want to go into that a little bit, get like a little bit of a picture because that's an interesting twist I didn't see coming. <laughs> um, you know, how did you get into that and what was that done? And then we'll, we'll wrap it up here with a couple quick questions, but I just want to find out a little bit about life, life as a foreign services officer. Tell you get up, you go to work, what's your day? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good question. Every day is different yeah. <laughs> and it depends on what country you're in or what topic you're working on. Um, but it's great because you get to learn so much about the world and different cultures and it puts perspective on what we have in America. Yeah. Uh, so I, at Ron's service in North Carolina, a lot of his family, you know, they're from North Carolina and they haven't done a lot of traveling. And so I like to use an analogy. I said, okay, so Ron and I would come back from wherever we were overseas and we'd walk into Walmart and there would be 50 types of toilet paper to choose from. Yeah. Right. Whereas overseas there was one. And you were lucky to have the one, depending on where you were. And that is overwhelming when you come back, right? And uh, when really, how many people walk into that toilet paper aisle and are grateful? (laughs) (laughs) Not common, right? You just think, of course, there's 50 types of toilet paper here. But sometimes we lose perspective on what we have in America and how amazing it is and all just the opportunities that we have, um, aside from just picking our toilet paper. But just so many. I love great- it. It's the basic things that just kind of ram it home for you, right? And yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I tried to kind of tell that to them, and they thought, "Wow, I never thought about that." All the toilet paper. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is one of those things. And you know, if you do travel, you get to get outside this country in particular. Just noticing the differences. Not even in countries. It doesn't have to be like an oppressed country or a violent mm-hmm. country. It's just different. And either you appreciate the the things here that make this country what they are or, or you don't. Um, but that is cool. What is a message that you would have to people? What is something that you think you would like them to know or your husband would like them to know? Well, I think Ron would want people, if he had something to say, he would say, be the American worth fighting for. So many of our veterans serve this country And a lot of people say, what can I do for our veterans? Well, at the end of the day, just be the American who's worth fighting for because that's what they want. They want us all to enjoy America and to enjoy the freedoms that we have. That's why they're out there fighting. So be someone that's worth fighting for. Yeah, like take advantage of the opportunities we have here. Do something good with your life. Great. Right, be a part of your community and do something great. Great. So we talk a lot, and I think this is going to kind of overlap a little, but we talk a lot here at American Snippets. Part of why we started this um, is, like you said, you know, my husband served and sacrificed in support of, of the country, and it makes me happy when I see people taking advantage of that. 
And the other side, it was really starting to impact me when all the divisiveness hit and people started doing nothing but complaining and blaming all the problems on the government or politics, yeah. right? Um, and we realized the American dream is actually alive and well, beating strong in people's hearts. People in this country are by and large good people instead of the the terrible stuff that's being thrown at us. But we love the American dream. We love the pursuit of it. We love helping other people find it. And I also love asking people, what does the American dream mean to you? Because it means something different to everybody. Oh, that's a good one. I think the American dream means you can go from working for the federal government for 17 years <laughs> to jumping out of an airplane for a living to helping your community to being open to the love that surrounds you in any way possible. And that's not possible in every country. Excellent. We have so many avenues we can pursue and it's up to us to take those steps forward and pursue them. Great. So if people want to check out Fast Tracks and look into hiring you all to come to an event, where do they, how do they go about that? Sure. Yeah. Our website is Team Fast Tracks. That's F-A-S-T-R-A-X.com. And you can see all sorts of our shows there. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. And you can see some really cool stuff there. We come out, we do a NASCAR and college football and air shows. And we just had a team come back from Saudi Arabia last week. We're all over the place. So we're Saudi definitely, Arabia. Oh my God. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we're all over and we're definitely by far the best and can do the most amazing patriotic shows you'll ever imagine. Man, I kind of want to just create an outdoor event now so I can hire you guys to, to come. <laughs> Our next event we're doing is indoors, but I think we're going to have to move on outdoors yeah. <laughs> and have you, we can have you guys come in. And then if we want to find out uh, about the Concussion Legacy Foundation and donating sure. your brain or, or supporting the organization. Yeah. So check out projectenlist.org. That's E-N-L-I-S-T, just like enlisting in the military. You only have to pledge your brain. <laughs> Projectenlist.org. All right, great. Nicole, thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us today. Um, you know, best to you in moving forward. It's, please stay in touch if there's anything we can do to help you with. We'd, we'd love to. And uh, thank you for sharing your just your message with with our audience i think and i know i know you suffer you have your bad days and all this but i'm telling you based on like having walked the walk i know to some i don't know what you're going through i know how difficult it is though but like props to you for for doing it with the mindset that that you're doing it with and i just feel like you have a whole great life about to unfold in front of you and i'm excited to see where you go next well, thank you for your husband's service and for your service and for continuing and being that American worth fighting for because you are yeah. inspiring people. So thank you. Well, right back at you. Hey, what's up, everyone? Dave Brown here again. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to personally thank Nicole Condry for being here as well and sharing her story. If you want to learn more about Nicole, head on over to our website, americansnippets.com forward slash 107. Uh, we have a full featured article on Nicole and her story that you're definitely going to enjoy. Barbara does an amazing job each week in putting these articles together. You can watch the full video interview. 
with Nicole, and we'll also put in uh, some social media links there as well that you can use to follow her. Uh, we appreciate you being here today and listening in. Again, if, if you enjoyed this episode or any episode that we've done in the, in the past, please let us know. Share this with a friend. Share it on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you tag us at American Snippets. And again, it's our mission here to spread positivity, possibility, and patriotism all across Across the country. It's to promote the American dream and create a culture that celebrates all the freedom and opportunities that we have in this country. It's really about helping Americans rediscover the greatness within themselves and within each other. So if you believe in this mission, you love what we do here each and every week, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And again, share this program with a friend, share it on social media. Together, we can make a difference. It's the simple actions like these, uh, the compound effect, our community that can turn our mission into a movement. So uh, we appreciate if you would do that. And uh, again, thanks for spending some time with us. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are. We'll see you next time. <music>